What's up, y'all? I know we are in the middle of our mind control series, and I hope you all have been enjoying it. But um, I feel a word on the inside of me. I have a prophetic word for you today. Um, God wants us to activate our faith. He wants you to put away or put down what you've picked up to infuse your faith. And he wants you to trust him. Trust him in whatever it is that you need faith for. Your business, your finances, your relationships, your marriage, your children, even the deep stuff. Being free from pornography, lust, shame, fear, etc. Whatever it might be. And he wants you to put your faith on it. He wants you to know that you can trust him in any area and that he is the one that can make it all happen for you. Not our intelligence, not our connections, not our might, but by his spirit. I encourage you to maybe fast from whatever it is that has been keeping you from activating your faith. I encourage you to ask the Lord what is it that you need to put down? I want you to truly work on gaining your focus back and begin to pursue a new beginning. It's okay to start over. <laughs> no matter what stage of life you are in or how deep you are into something, pursue a new beginning and activate your faith. I don't know what that's going to look like for you this week. I don't know what God is going to tell you, but it's necessary for your destiny some of us feel like if this doesn't happen to us now we might miss the promise or we might miss what God has for us we've been seeing the things wrong allowing our flesh to walk by sight and not by faith but today I pray a second Corinthians 5 7 over you that you will begin this week today right now to walk by faith and not by sight not by what you see, not by your circumstance, not by your own understanding, not by your own wisdom, but to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. <laughs> Let's get into the episode. Girl, look. Don't use God. Ooh. Don't use God for your own personal Because he sees it. And the more you're pursuing after this answer, the more you're you're burning yourself out, you're burning your energy out, the farther and farther away. We're not pursuing the old us, okay? We're going after the things that God has for us. I don't know what y'all going after. I, uh, that's none of my business. That's none of my business. Just making sure. Just making sure. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now asking that you settle our minds, settle our spirits, and settle our hearts. We thank you for allowing us to have this opportunity to speak wisdom and light into your children, into your people, Father God, those who may be struggling in this area. We thank you for giving us the wisdom and giving us the discernment to talk about such things um, concerning the hearts and minds of your people. Um, I thank you, Lord God, that you will fill us with your spirit and you will decrease us and increase your spirit in us, Father God. We thank you um, that you will give us the words to say. We thank you that there are there there's no anxiety, there's no nerves, nothing of that um, that would try to keep us from allowing this word to go forth. So we thank you right now, Father God. We thank you for encouraging us on this morning. And we love you. All these things we ask in your name. Amen. What's up, y'all? We are in our mind control series. We are talking all things mental health. We have been talking a lot about our mind and um, our thoughts and our actions and everything like that. So as a due diligence, I promised you guys that I will have some mental health professionals here um, in this mind control series. So um, our second guest today is Miss Stephanie Burrell. I'm going to let her introduce herself, but let's get into this episode. We are talking about suffering in silence today. I know y'all are probably excited. I can tell 
because you guys are sending me messages. You guys are listening to the podcast <laughs> and sharing it. So I'm so excited that you guys are loving this series. Um, Miss Stephanie Burrell, tell the people who you are, what you do, <laughs> everything like that. <laughs> hey, so I'm super excited to be here. So uh, my name is Stephanie. I usually do Stephanie Alexis, but my last name is Stephanie or is Burrell. So that's totally fine, too. Um, so I'm actually, I consider myself um, a mental health advocate. Um, I am an inspirational speaker. Um, I am an author. Uh, but one of the things that I like to really focus my time on um, is mental health. I'm currently finishing up my master's in clinical mental health counseling um, at Liberty University. So I have that biblical aspect to my uh, program being that I'm at a Christian university. I do a lot of counseling with people who suffer from addiction, substance abuse, um, and things of that nature. Um, and I'm also um, a radical believer in Jesus Christ. Um, I think one of the greatest things that we could ever do in our lifetime is to know God intimately and to make him known. And so I'm just super excited to be here and to share on this topic today because it's something that um, is very near and dear to my heart, um, learning how to not suffer in silence, learning how to vocalize my needs and learning how to sometimes be okay with where I'm at and not needing to push myself any further to reach a goal or to obtain something um, that just doesn't feel, um, I guess, easy or doesn't feel right at the time. So I'm super excited. Mm. First off, like, what does that even feel like? What does that look like? I think a lot of times as like entrepreneurs, we feel like we have to hustle, hustle, hustle. We feel like we need to be doing something all the time. And mm-hmm. within that, within that, we feel like, uh, or or within that, we don't really cater to our mental health. We don't cater to um, the, the deeply rooted things in our lives. So, um, what does that look like for you, uh, everyday um, mental health check? Well, honestly, um, I would say that for me, it looks like consistently grounding myself. Like we get so caught up with the hustle and the bustle of our lives, um, our friends' lives, the things that we need to do to meet our needs, uh, such as we have to work, you know, and we're in a culture where we talk about this often, but it's grind, grind, grind sleep when you die, grind time. And it's like, no, because striving breeds exhaustion. But when we're able to mm-hmm. take a step back and I'm able to learn how to rest in the Lord, I think people think that I have to always be doing in order to be productive. But in reality, I'm productive when I just simply learn how to be. The word be means to exist. By simply existing in him, I'm being more productive than I ever would be striving and trying to meet, you know, every single goal on my list and every task. When I counsel people, I always tell them like, hey, it's okay that you weren't able to check off everything on your list because you're mentally, emotionally, physically exhausted. And they're like, well, I'm in a season where it's grind time. And it's like, well, I need you to step into a season where you know how to rest and to recover because what you're going to produce in that season of striving, it won't be the excellence that you could have produced if you had to learn how to rest and take. And since this is, since we're going like, uh, I guess this is kind of faith-based since you didn't learn how to take upon his yoke, take upon his burden. Mm-hmm. His, the Bible says that his uh, yoke is easy and his burden is light. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times too, we get frustrated with God because he does Psalms 23 in our lives where he maketh us to lie down. And it's like, I had to make you lie down because you had such a resistance to rest because you thought that in order to produce, you had to strive. And I don't Mm want to even, I mean, I could take it a step further and talk about how that's actually a trauma response. Please do, because you're, look, you're speaking to me, okay, please <laughs> do, because um, that's, that's what I was going to kind of go into, like, why do we even think that? Why do we even respond like mm-hmm. I think it's because of how we grew, we grew up, like, I feel like we're often taught that if we're not doing, then we're not actually valuable, like, everything that our, our, our value is determined by what we can do opposed to who we are. And I tell people all the time, 
value is predetermined. We don't go to the car dealership and tell them what, what we're going to pay for this car. And that is it like, boom, I'm going to give you 2,500. That's it. That's all sign it over to me. And we're going, no, because the people who created this vehicle, they knew how much the parts cost to put into the car, how much the labor was going to be. So the worth and the value of that vehicle was predetermined before I ever arrived to purchase it. And so I think we get so caught up in finding our value and what we can do and what people say we are and what people, who people say we are and what we do and all these titles. And so I think it starts in our childhood what can I do for my mom or my dad to clap and to say that I am accepted? That's really where perfectionism comes in, you know, constantly feeling criticized for, or, you know, not being able to do things well enough. And so now in order to, I guess, meet the highest expectation or get the highest or the, you know, the grandest applause, then I have to perform well. So, so it's kind of like we respond that way because we maybe didn't get it as a child or we, we may have been looking for approval from our parents or from our spouse or from our friends. And because we don't get it, it kind of makes us respond in a negative way and tries to make us grind harder to be seen, to be approved by people we don't know. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a, a very big part of it. Um, and then I also think taking it a step further, how that makes us feel when we get that applause, when the accolades are spoken about us, when people are, you know, cheering for us, rooting for us, sharing, you know, we take it to uh, social media, sharing our content, you know, or, you know, I guess putting us on a pedestal. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a big part of it too. The, the dopamine, like people don't understand that. Uh, there's a study out right now and it's about uh, being addicted to social media. And they're saying that the same um, chemical that's released from the brain when uh, a person is, for a person who's addicted to drugs, when they get that high, is the same thing that we get mm-hmm. from social media. It's, it's, a, it's called dopamine, but it's that it triggers the brain to say, oh, this is good. I need more of this. And it's from mm-hmm. the praise. We get that from the praise and the accolades and the, the sharing of the content. And, oh, I got another like, and, oh, I got a comment. And, you know, somebody commented and said that this was giving what it was supposed to have gave. And so now I feel better about myself, but it's like, how long does that actually last? That That is so good. Cause it's like, I literally, I have experienced that before, um, before, you know, pursuing this podcast or, or pursuing a relationship with God. I found myself literally on social media all day, every day, trying to get a like, trying to, um, Mm -hmm. you know, make, make certain posts that were going to bring attention to me. And now I'm just to the point where I don't even really care about that anymore. Um, someone said, you know, Um, all of this talk about the algorithm on um, Instagram and the new laws and rules and stuff that Instagram has. But someone said, um, forget the algorithm. You can't block this anointing that God has on me. So even if you don't see see me right now, you're going to see me later. So I find rest in that because even now I would find myself, you know, questioning, well, is, is this photo good or is, is my content good because I didn't get a certain amount of likes or I didn't get the attention mm-hmm. that I was looking for or I didn't get the results that I was looking for? How can you speak to someone who is out here pursuing things of God? Um, how can you speak to them and kind of encourage them to not get so caught up in that and to really find rest in who they are and what God has called them to do? This is so good. Um, And I just want to say you're not alone in that. I struggle with that still. Um, And I always tell people that the the algorithm on Instagram is trash and um, you're going to work hard on your content. And sometimes no one's going to like it. And you're like, well, how if I have 5,000 followers or 3,000, 2,000, whatever. And it's just the way that it works. But something that the Lord has continued to Uh, bring me back to is where am I finding my value 
if I'm looking for it here and I don't get it, then I'm unfulfilled. But if I have it, then I'm not looking for it from people on social media. And so even this morning when I was spending time with the Lord, I was, I was kind of sharing with him because we're on this kick with identity, just me and him. And, you know, over time we talked about um, you having like your son and your son is, I think you said turning five next week. And we were, <laughs> oh, we were just kind of talking about that just a little bit. And I was thinking about how, you know, certain seasons, our identity is different. Like you were saying when he was one and he was two, you know, it required a different version of you as a mom. And, you know, you maybe had to do a little bit more. And so I think that as like, we're developing and we're entering into different seasons, different relationships, different jobs, occupations, whatever, we have to continue to go back and align our identity with God. And I think that the more that we do that, and we allow our value to be found in him. And it sounds very cliche, but it's the only way that you're going to um, feel that insatiable hunger, that insatiable desire, that insatiable need. It can't be filled by anything else. And so social media is the counterfeit. And so a lot of times. <laughs> Let me write that down. Cause I'm taking my notes. I don't know about y'all, but I'm taking ah! my notes. <laughs> I adore you. Social media is the counterfeit. And that's why after a while, you know, you're on there for a few hours, you get a few likes and then it's like, I gotta go back and I gotta repost because I need this validation. I, I need it. But the thing is, it's always only so deep that these people can go with you that don't even really know you. Mm, and it's like, we're longing for the intimacy, the intimate aspect of, of a relationship with someone deeper than a like and a post on social media. But as long as the enemy can keep us consumed and caught up in the counterfeit, then we'll never fully step into our true identity, who God created us to be. And so with that, we don't actually fulfill the purpose that we were sent here to accomplish. Mm, so it's like we we look to social media for connection. Mm -hmm. We try to make maybe business connections or intimate connections or and things like that. But most of the time it's in an unhealthy way because we don't even know how to make connections with the people around us. Yeah. So how like how does that play into our mental health and how we respond to um, just trying to connect with people? Yeah. So I would say, ah, this is a deep question. I would say that it plays a major part because, <clears throat> okay, so let's talk about post pan or prior to the pandemic. Now, I think they say that, you know, most people are dealing with some form of social anxiety right now. And I can attest that I'm one of the people who is dealing with social anxiety right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, who would have thought that I would struggle to go to brunch? I was I was fine before this to meet new people. But it's like we got so consumed and so, you know, used to being in our own bubble. Wait, let me let me go back. Can you restate the question? Because I want to make sure I answer your question before I go on this, this slight tangent that I'm feeling like going on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we respond to social media and we respond to um, just trying to connect with people on an intimate level or business level or whatever like that. Um, what is the mental, um, I guess, persuasion behind that? Like earlier, we were talking about how we um, needed some validation because we didn't get it from home. We didn't mm -hmm. get it from our parents. So how do we use social media in that same uh, reference, I guess? So I guess one of the biggest things, I think people forget sometimes that you were created for a community. So you're created to have this tribe around you that you, know, you kind of do life with. And so... I will say this too, a lot of some of my closest friends I've met through social media, through Instagram, and it's been absolutely crazy, but amazing. So it's like, you could use it as a tool for community, uh, for, you know, 
I guess, creating a strong team of people around you, or you can use it at the level to where you're just, you like a couple of things, you comment on a couple of things, um, and that kind of is it. But I think people forget that social media isn't real. So there's a need mm. for community. There's a need for connection. There's a need for validation. We want to be, you know, admired by people. We want to have, you know, people in our lives and our circles that bring value. But if you're looking to solely get that off of social media, again, you're, you're going to have this insatiable hunger that you're not going to be able to feel because social media isn't real. No matter how much we try to make it real, no matter how much we try to show our authentic selves, at some point, we're going to have a desire to put a filter on something to, you know, change an mm -hmm. image to distort it. And so I think that a lot of people who are solely getting their connections from social media are, are finding that they're a little more empty at the end of the day, um, opposed to the people who are, you know, fighting with their social anxiety and actually going out and socializing, you know, going back to church because they miss and need the aspect of community. That that is so good. Like I was just talking um, about this last night. And one thing that I had noticed was my sister, my older sister, um, she's like a year older than me. She's mm -hmm. not on Instagram at all. Like she's never been on Instagram, never was interested in getting on Instagram. So she has no idea what, you know, that part of social media is like. And it, it just blew my mind because we've been on social media for how long? Like Instagram for how long? Oh my gosh. Even before Instagram. Yeah, I was going to say, do you remember Bebo, MySpace? Oh my we've God. We've been on Bebo. social media platforms. <laughs> Not Bebo. I remember Bebo. <laughs> Eighth grade, I believe. Well, for me, kind of old, but yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! So it's it, it kind of like I feel like this has already it started within us early. So now, once we get to this point of maturing and you know learning who God is and who God says we are and learning our identities in Christ, it's kind of like we have a lot of undoing to do a lot of For unlearning sure. to do so what are some healthy ways that we can kind of use social media as a tool but not let it consume us in these areas mm -hmm. that's really good so uh, when I kind of talk to my teens who are they seem to be a little bit more consumed in social media than um than the millennials, um, so more so the Gen Zs, I kind of recommend that they put themselves on a time restraint. You know, okay, well, I'm only gonna get on social media for, you know, two hours a day, or this sounds like a lot, but sometimes I'll tell them, how about instead of we're doing, you know, instead of doing eight to 10 hours a day on TikTok and Snapchat and all of these different platforms, how about we go down to four hours a day? And I think it's just being disciplined to you know, steward your time well. I say this all the time, but the enemy is after our time. If that's one of mm. two of the most important things that God ever gave us was time and free will. So He gave us the ability to choose where we spend our time. And the enemy is after our time. And so the more that He can get us, like, I don't know if you're like this, but with me, I find myself getting on and just scrolling mindlessly. Like I didn't even know that I jumped on Instagram and I'm just yep. looking at people's stories, you know? So I would say uh, one of the greatest tips is to be disciplined with your time. And the truth is, if you're not disciplined in one area of your life, it's going to be a lot harder to be disciplined in other areas. If you can't, you know, learn how to not, you know, binge eat whenever you're sad, then it's going to be hard to, you know, discipline yourself when it comes down to time for social media. If you struggle to discipline yourself, you know, with what you watch, you know, it's just going to be hard. So focus on disciplining yourself, maybe not even in the area of social media to start. But maybe saying, hey, I want to try intermittent fasting just so that my body can learn discipline. I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, my gosh, I think I need deliverance. It's like, no, I don't think you need deliverance. I think you need to learn discipline. Lord. Because because that is not ruling your life. And so you're not you're not moving, you know, with wisdom. 
And so I would say start there with discipline and stick to a regimen. This is the time I allow. This is the time I'm going to be on. And then also start incorporating things in your everyday life that don't involve social media. Maybe not even your phone. When I go walk my dog, I don't even bring my phone sometimes. I have a watch on. If I have an emergency I need to call, I can do that. But start detaching yourself from the codependency of having your device with you all the time. And I guess if that I, I believe mm. that there is codependency in this relationship with us and our phones. <laughs> mm. No, it yeah. ugh, girl, look, you you really getting into some stuff like. Okay, so we're talking about suffering in silence um, for this podcast episode, but I really feel like social media is a silent killer, and I feel like a lot of people have a lot of issues that they have yet to deal with that is being caused by social media, Um, whether it is the validation or not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough, not having people appreciate your content or not having people respond to you in a timely manner. Like you can literally find yourself trying to cope with things like that and blame it on social media or, you know, um, the root cause can be social media, but it's something deeper that's within ourselves that Mm -hmm. we find that we struggle in so how how would you say um or how could you kind of respond to that aspect of social media the suffering in silence man it's it's literally just like a numbing like social media a lot of times for most of us it's a numbing to step away from our lives our problems and, and to see other people living this grand life, you know, because they're showing us the highlight reel and all of these things. And I think that, number one, it takes major self-awareness to step back and say, I'm on social media so that I don't have to feel my feelings. I tell people this all mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> if what you think the problem is, it's not the problem like what you just said you think that your biggest problem right now is that you're spending and not you I'm just saying in general yeah in general you know (laughs) we think that you know our biggest problem is oh my gosh I'm spending way too much time on social media and that's not the actual problem that's a symptom of the actual problem and so let's actually go down and let's diagnose what are the criterias as to why you are using social media to to pass time let's just say you say you're only using it to pass time and then we start to look at look at things a little deeper and it's because you're struggling with depression you're struggling with body dysmorphia where you don't like how you look So your fix is to see how other people look and return to make you feel better about yourself. Mm. You know, so so I think we've got to stop looking at the symptoms and diagnosing ourselves, but we have to take a step back. Like Like yesterday, I had a moment, I was in the car, I was headed to get my groceries and I just said a lot, I said, oh my gosh, like heart, how are you doing? And my heart began to just burst with these emotions of how it was actually feeling. And I've been so busy with work and school and clients and social media and all of these things to where I hadn't been. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, taking a day to watch Netflix is just what I need. No, you're actually trying to mask something with that day. And you're calling it self-care, but you're not really caring for yourself. So. Girl, look, look, I'm still up here like I'm almost done with my first page of notes. Ah! <laughs> like, oh, she's speaking, speaking. Like that—that that is so good. It's like, as someone who is in this field, um, you can kind of recognize um things like within your clients and you know things that they are struggling with. Um, what is something? So like, what is, what is the most common thing that you have recognized within your clients? So for the women, it would be body dysmorphia disorder. Um, We're so caught up on how we look 
and how people feel about how we look. Um, and it honestly just breaks my heart um, because I have people that I talk to who spend, um, I think it's three to six, eight hours sometimes just obsessing about how they look. And so the thing mm -hmm. about the criteria for body dysmorphia disorder is that you have this, um, this perceived flaw about yourself and it consumes so much of your day where you're, you're walking past things, you're trying to get your reflection. But the kicker is that no one else can see the flaw that is literally ruining your life. So, the, so one of the biggest aspects of the disorder is that you have this flaw that like maybe it's your nose, maybe it's your stomach, maybe it's your butt, whatever it is, but no one else sees it. And so you're just plagued with these rambunctious thoughts about yourself that honestly ruin your life. And that's one of the consistent things that I've seen with women that I talk to, especially now that the BBL is becoming more and more popular and you know a certain face shape and, and a nose shape and we, we're getting surgery mm -hmm. to look like our snapchat filters so that's been as of lately one of the common things that i've seen with women and not just women but young girls i have young girls that i talk to and they're 16 and they're like miss stephanie for my you know graduation present like i want to get a bbl like this is going to make me happy and that's another wow. part of the diagnosis. They think that if I can change this one thing, then it's going to make me happy. But what happens usually is they change it and then there's something else that needs to be changed for them to be happy. So, so really, it's a lot of, it's a lack of self-love and a lack of believing and trusting in God and who he says about us. Is that yeah. something that is that something that you teach your clients like um, on a faith based level? Is that some of the advice that you give them or what are some things that you say to some of your clients that are experiencing things like? Yeah, so if they permit me to incorporate faith in our um, counseling journey, then absolutely, because at the core of my being, I know that a lot of times more times than not, they are wrestling with something spiritual that they cannot see, that is plaguing their mind, plaguing their heart. And this is just how it's manifesting in their life. So a lot of times I do this thing um, and I've been trained in it, it's called sozo. And it's um, the Greek word for, I wanna say inner healing, save, or saved and healed, something like that. Uh, but the acronym <laughs> is SOZO. Matter of fact, let me just make sure. Um, I wanna tell you what that stands for. Um, so SOZO in the Greek, the Greek word is salvation. Um, and so it's all about uh, healing, inner healing and deliverance. And so what I like to do, especially with my clients who are faith-based, I want to go back to that that memory when you were five years old, where someone made a comment to you about the way that you looked. And so that has triggered this lifelong imprisonment with your appearance. And then I want to show you oh where it gets so real, like these sessions sometimes are three hours where we go into these memories and I'm, I ask them, where was Jesus in that memory? Because the Bible says that the truth is what makes you free. So if Jesus was in that memory, then the truth was in that memory. And there's freedom that is supposed to be birthed from it. And so we go into that memory and we go back. And it's so crazy because the enemy will try to distort it to make it look like and feel like it was different. And then the Lord shows you where he was. He shows you what really happened. He brings the truth. And then we like shut the door to the lies, you know, that you believe surrounding this. And a lot of times, that's one of the biggest things that helps people because the Lord goes in and he pulls it up from the root. We can do as many counseling sessions without him as we want, but nine times out of 10, you're going to continue to do counseling sessions with me. But when we mm -hmm. invite him into it and we allow him to go into the root of the memory that is triggering this and he extracts it, that's where everything changes man that look that is so good even right now I'm I'm going back to my memory <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking like 
like that's that's so true like even in women like and I'm pretty sure with men as well but I can just remember being young um a young child and everyone always looking at me and looking at my sister because my sister was kind of um heavier than me I was always a skinny one so Mm -hmm. every time they would see me they'll be like oh you're so skinny oh look at your little legs or oh look at your little arms and this and this and that so anytime that I grew up and I always had this I'm skinny I'm skinny I'm skinny but then Mm -hmm. once we get on social media and we see all these girls with BBLs and you know these big butts and this and this and that you're like well I don't want to be skinny no more (laughs) I want to look like them like (laughs) it kind of it kind of makes you feel like you you were never comfortable in your skin to begin with so now you're fighting so these unhealthy, you're fighting these unhealthy triggers in your adult life. Yes, that's so true. So, so how would you, um, like, what would you say to people who are improperly responding to um, their triggers, um, their trauma and things like that? I would say get some help. Get some help because a lot of times it we need that other person to come alongside us and help us to walk through things because a lot of times going back into memories, so we're triggered because of a, a prior memory where trauma was inflicted on us. And so a lot of times it's, it's excruciatingly painful for people to go back into those traumatic memories to try to decipher what actually transpired. And so I would say, get some help, talk to someone about what you're experiencing, what happened in your childhood so that uh, you can actually live your life and not be triggered. And, and, and so even with, um, there's a certain type of therapy, it's called EMDR, it's called uh, the that's the acronym and it's eye movement desensitization reprocessing and this specific um type of counseling has been known to help people with post-traumatic stress disorder so they have a, a memory that has great trauma attached to it and so now you know maybe it's a car accident and so now every time they're on the highway they're oh my goodness you know they're just you know they can't focus they're anxious all of these different things well with this type of therapy these people actually go in and they extract the trauma from the memory so that you're no Mm. longer traumatized so now it's just a memory I remember I did get in a car accident but now when I'm in the car I'm not triggered by the cars flying past me if someone around me gets in an accident so a lot of times we need someone to help us to work through these things a lot of times we need someone to help us to walk through it we weren't meant to walk through things alone. And that's another uh, device of the enemy to make you want to ostracize yourself, to go and hide in the corner and to feel like nobody cares about you. Nobody understands what you're going through. Nobody wants to be there for you. He's going to feed you a thousand lies to keep you in that same place so that you don't actually Mm. reach your greatest potential. And so sometimes it's having to you know, step back and say, I actually need some assistance to walk through this because I'm tired of talking to my children like this because my parents talk to me like this. Or, you know what I'm saying? Whatever Mm. it is. So can this this treatment apply to people who may have been cheated on in a relationship? I definitely think so. Yes, 100%. Because there is so much trauma attached to betrayal. Betrayal is one of the hardest things to walk through and to grieve. So I 100% believe yes. I feel like a lot of us, I feel like that kind of pertains to the suffering in silence as well. Like things that you have improperly processed that you are still trying to process things that you are still trying to understand from your trauma things that you are still trying to um just really seek guidance and wisdom on but it's kind of hard for you to identify those areas of trauma like you may think that you're going through this when it's really that so how do you even identify um certain traumas that you're kind of dealing with now 
Hmm. I think you have to a lot of times take a step back and really examine how something is making you feel. A lot of times we dismiss our feelings or, you know, maybe, you know, this isn't the, the, the best way to think about this or the best way to perceive this person. But oftentimes there's something to our feelings that our body is trying to get our mind to respond to and become aware of. So I think that that's a, that's a really, really big part. And I think it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning of being self-aware. It is so hard to be self-aware, but that's the only way that you're able to truly walk through life again, reaching optimal potential as a human being on this side of heaven. That's crazy. Like, I really, I really feel like you 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 understand what you are educating yourself on like you're really like you're you're hitting some things sister <laughs> <laughs> thank you Drea. I appreciate that <laughs> and I I really think that um it's important to share your expertise and just share you know um your testimonies like a lot I think a lot of us we are so scared to process and we are so scared to get the help that we deserve, the help that we need um, in order to properly be a testament. I feel like sometimes we want to, oh, God did this for me and God did that for me. And we don't really want to talk about it because we haven't gone through the entire process. Like there's still some things that yeah. we have to get out of us. There's still some things that God wants to um, uproot and undo in your life. So mm. you spoke about you spoke about therapy and you spoke about um, just getting the help um, that we need. What are some practical steps that um, our listeners can take to get to the point of getting help? Yeah. Um, I think one of the easiest and safest things is to talk to a friend. Maybe you don't necessarily want to go and, you know, have this open dialogue with a complete stranger. So start with your friends. The best thing is to just get it out. It doesn't have to be this eloquent thing, you know, or this we've scheduled this hour session. No, how about you just call your friend and say, hey, so I need to talk to you right now. I don't want you to fix anything. That's one of the biggest misconceptions about therapists mm -hmm. is that, you know, we're here to, to fix you. No, the, the first error is that you feel as though you're broken because you're struggling with normal things that humans struggle with, that we're going to struggle with at some point in time in our lives. And so I always tell people, I'm not a hammer. It's not my job to fix you. Counselors aren't even technically supposed to be there to give advice to give advice because we believe that the client is the expert of their own life. So while you're talking to us, we're just asking questions to probe you to just pull out of you what you already know, but maybe you haven't had the courage to say out loud. So maybe it's not talking to a counselor. Maybe it's calling your girlfriend and saying, hey, I need to vent. I don't want you to try to fix this. I, I just want you to listen. I know that probably what I'm about to say is going to be insane, but I just need to get this out. So that's one practical way. Um, another practical way is, you know, maybe even <clears throat> if it's your spouse, talking to your spouse or talking to your children or journaling. I tell people all the time, do not despise journaling. Sit down, take 10, 15 minutes at the beginning or the end of your day and write about how you're feeling, express it. It doesn't matter how you get it out as much as it matters that you get it out. Because what happens is for people who say like, oh, I just took this and I took this and I took it and it built up and then they just erupt is because they've lived their life as a volcano where they've just suppressed, 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 suppressed. And now when it comes out, it's messy, it's yucky. Um, it, it hurts people who are close by, you know, in our vicinity. And so just get it out. However that happens for you, maybe it's in the car, driving down the street, screaming at the top of your lungs, talking to God about how frustrated and angry you are at your, with your life. 
do that. There's no formula for it, but you have to get it out. So even me listening to your practical steps, there is a level of fear that comes out when we think about moving forward with that. Like for me, if I if I think about having a conversation this deep or this internal with somebody that may not understand, that brings a level of fear to me and a level of fear of rejection, fear of being misunderstood, just a number of things. Mm-hmm. How can we how can we combat that fear and how can we really pursue those steps without having anxiety behind yeah so I think the unfortunate truth is there is going to be a little anxiousness and apprehensive because it's new and it's different and it's very much uncomfortable so I think it's more so just knowing okay so let's say that the the fear is the Goliath And so we go back to the story with David and and Goliath, and we know that David slays that Goliath, but in order for him Mm -hmm. to slay it, he has to approach it fearful, um, uncomfortable, maybe with a little bit of shame, apprehension, being overwhelmed. He has to still face it. And there's something on the other side of slaying that Goliath that you need. And so I tell people maybe you know, a part of our, our life story is embracing the fearful moments and then saying, but I did it anyway. So don't run away from the fear. Don't, don't try to avoid the fear. Run straight through it. Yeah, run straight through it. And you're not running alone. And as long as the enemy can plague you with fear, and allow us to, you know, kind of coward in the corner, then he wins. And we, we don't access the life that God has called us to. And it's a lot of times too, people are waiting on us to knock this Goliath out, chop off its head so that they can march forward with, mm. you know, courage and promise. That, uh, that is so good. Like this, this whole conversation right here, look, Look, we, we don't have to talk offline, okay? We don't have to yes. talk offline. Yes, we're friends. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so, um, just to wrap up our conversation, um, the last question um that I have for you, um, what are the risks of suffering in silence? Death. <laughs> I hate to be so blunt. But it's not, it doesn't mean that you're going to die physically, but the longer you suffer in silence, something will die. Whether that's that dream that you've had since you were a child, Mm -hmm. that goal, that life that you want, that family that you desire, something will die. There, There is a consequence to suffering in silence. It sounds so brutal and so harsh, but I remember maybe two years ago, the Lord said to me, you have mastered the art of suffering in silence. And he began to show me all the things in my life that were supposed to bear fruit, but they died. Mm. Wait, because of my choice. It wasn't that no one wanted to be there for me. It wasn't that God hadn't sent people to come alongside me and to walk with me through the valley, you know, and experience the mountaintop with me. It was that I chose to disregard whom God had sent. I chose to disregard the love that he was trying to pull me into because for me, it was, oh, I want people to see that I'm really hurting. But the thing about pain is that it will magnify itself above everything else in your life if you allow it to. And so the result of suffering in silence is death. Something in your life will not be able to flourish because you are choosing this. Girl. 
I'm sitting over here waving my hand to the choir. Like, she's preaching over here. She don't even know. Oh, my God. Girl, look. Uh, hold on. Let me gather myself. <laughs> no, this conversation, first of all, it was much needed. Um, I always say this. Like, every time I get, um, you know, a chance to, you know, speak on my podcast and upload an episode, I really be thinking that, okay, um, this word might be for, you know, this person or that person or people who are suffering with this. And God just has a really funny way of saying, oh yeah, you too. <laughs> you too. It's, not, it's <laughs> right? not just for them. It's, it's you too, little girl. And I'm just like, okay, let me take my notes. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I honestly, this conversation, it was definitely needed. I know that um, this conversation will be fruitful. It, this would allow me to myself to actually um, seek God um, on different areas of my life that maybe I have been suffering in silence with. So I just thank you for your time. I thank you for everything um, that you've spoken, the the love and the expertise that you've poured onto us. Man, it was so Oh, so needed. Um, where can people find you? Where can they support you? And how can they um, possibly work with you? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed myself. I love what you're doing. Let me just say that I will be tuning in um, to the podcast in the future. And we're going to need to do lunch or something in real life. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Because I like to eat. Yes, me too. And uh, where you are and where I'm at, both have great food. So, um, you can find me Ready. on um, Instagram at Stephanie Alexis Burrow, um, as well as Facebook, Stephanie Alexis Burrow. Um, I have a book out. It's called Chronicles of a Caring God, um, Healing for Hurting Hearts. It's a 30-day healing devotional. You can find that on Amazon. Again, Stephanie Alexis Burrow, but you can find that on my page. So if you go to my Instagram, you can find me and uh, stay connected with all of the things that I'm doing and will be doing in the future. And then if you want to work with me, I'm still working under supervision right now. So because I'm getting those hours. Um, so reach out to me and uh, maybe through the place that I work at, uh, we can set something up. Um, and I'm always down just to talk. I don't it doesn't have to be a counseling session, but a little girl time or, you know, anybody just want to have dialogue. I'm always down for that, too. Yes, ma'am. I definitely appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. Um, we know we got we to gotta get back to our, our businesses and things that we have going on today. <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to let you go. Um, make sure you all follow her. Make sure you support. Um, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. And I will talk to y'all in my next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs>